Church. Great to be with you this Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas to you. My name is Wade, and I'm one of the pastors here at Parkview. Tom, that was lovely. Thank you so much. Great to see the kids here this evening. Tonight's going to be a reflection on what the angels said to the shepherds in Luke 2, 10 to 11. And I'm going to read just that portion of Scripture again, and I, I hope the Lord blesses you this evening from his word. And the angel of the Lord said to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Pray with me. Father, open our hearts to actually believe that your precious, beloved Son, Jesus, was born for us. Unto us is born Christ the Savior. Convince us of that. Some for the very first time, others for the millionth time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just getting over a cold, so I'm just, I'm doing all right, but I might have to wipe my nose a few times. Here's a question I want to ask you this Christmas Eve, okay? As you think about giving your best gift this Christmas Eve, that gift that you've been planning for for a long time, or maybe just thought about today, uh, good luck with that. The most expensive gift, the most precious gift, okay? That best gift, when you think about giving that gift, who will you give your best gift to this Christmas? Who will you give your best gift to this Christmas? Now, here's the natural way that we think of gift giving, and it's based on Santa Claus. You kids out there, you can sing along with me. I won't sing, but you can, uh, you know, uh, imitate the words here. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not. I'm telling you why, because Santa Claus is... There you go. You got it. He's making a... He's checking it. He's going to find out who's... Because Santa Claus is... You're doing great. One last time. He sees you when you're... He knows when you're... He knows if you've been... So be... You got it. Now, great job. Especially over here. Very loud. Okay, very wonderful. Great job. Now, here's how the thinking goes according to Santa, okay? Santa gives his best gifts to good boys and good girls. Now, we operate the same way. Not a time to throw shade on Santa, okay? We operate the same way. Several Christmases ago, I had my best gift planned, okay? And my best gift was planned, and I, it was quite expensive. It was a special vacation to a favorite city in England, and I gave my very best gift to my wife, Claire, because she's lovely, because she's trustworthy, okay? Now, I'm probably stating the obvious here, friends, but if you go all out and you purchase that new Apple Watch, you are not going to give that watch to your malicious coworker who's been working all year behind your back to slander your name in the company, okay? In fact, one online forum the question was asked to the community, do I give a gift to someone who doesn't deserve it? Do I give a gift to someone who doesn't deserve it? One answer said this, okay, one person said this, when I give gifts, I always think of fairness. For example, what has this person done for me recently? Have they bought me something before? 
Okay? Another person answered this way. If someone does not deserve a gift, don't give them a gift. I, I love the simplicity and the honesty there. Okay? Now, here's the point. Okay? The way we humans operate when we think of gift giving, especially around the holidays, is this. And it makes sense. It's about fairness and justice. Has this person done something for me to deserve this gift? We give, here's the principle, right? This is how we work. We give our best gifts to the best types of people. We give our best gifts to the best types of people. That's how we as humans operate. But here's the next, next question tonight. What about God? Who does God give his best Christmas gift to? Some of you may be newer to church here this evening, and maybe you've re really not given much thought about God this past year. But I want you to think about it tonight. When it comes to God and how he gives gifts to us, who does he give his best gift to? Now don't answer too quickly because our gut instinct actually shows how we typically think about God, right? It's the most obedient. It's those who act like the person God wants us to act like. That is the person that God lobs down blessings upon. You see, I work with college students in my job here as a pastor, and oftentimes as I meet with college students, maybe they've made some mistake or they're struggling with some deep problem in their life, and oftentimes what I hear is God feels distant. God must be angry with me. Uh, maybe I need to spend a few days of good Christian behavior before I can kind of experience God's smile again in my life. Now, maybe some of you have felt that very same way even this week, in this Christmas season. Now, even if you're here and you do not identify as a Christian, many people today operate on a version of karma. Okay, karma. If I'm successful and good, my life will go well and I won't encounter many problems and pains. Or if I'm bad, then bad consequences will obviously happen, and I won't receive as many good things in life. It's a version of karma. We deeply believe that God is a divine Santa Claus with a naughty and nice list who reserves his best gifts for the best types of people. And here's the honest truth. If God is actually like us, only giving gifts based on if we're doing enough for him, if we are enough in ourselves, if we are worthy, if we deserve it, then there's a lot to fear. Do you notice what the angels say to the shepherds right away? Do, do not fear. There's a lot of fear if God treats us like we give gifts to one another. What if we're not enough? What if we don't make the best choices in life? What about those secrets and regrets in our past? What about those? You see, fear arises within all of us when we think that someone's embrace of us, someone's welcome of us, is based upon how well we perform, how well we live our lives. This is one reason, I think, why so many young people today spend so much time on social media looking for a group of people who will accept their authentic self. And this is why we need the Christmas story in Luke 2. Because we need to be shocked awake from how we typically think of what God is like. And to understand what's happening here in Luke 2, we have to understand what God is doing in the whole story of the Bible. Okay? The, the Bible is one large, big story 
about who God is and how he relates to the people and world that he has made. And the Bible tells a story like this. We were made for a joyful relationship with God in a beautiful world filled with love and peace and joy. Yet the Bible tells a story that everything fell under a miserable curse of sin and suffering because we as humans rebelled against God. We took God's good gift of his loving relationship with us where he happily bestowed upon us all these wonderful gifts. We took that and like ungrateful children snapped it over our legs and threw it in the trash can because we want to be our own gods. We want to lead our own lives. The hearts of what the Bible calls sin is not just the things we do, it's a fundamental posture of heart where we try to sort out for ourselves a happy life apart from a living relationship with a loving God. As one 20th century writer put it, describing his life as an atheist, he said this, I do not want God to interfere with my life. That's the human condition. That's the condition of all of us. And it summarizes how so many of us live. And the result of all of this happens to be this. There's futility and misery and shame that we experience in our lives. Haven't you ever wondered, why don't your relationships work the way you want them to? Why doesn't your work life, your career, make you feel as happy as you thought it would when you graduated as a senior in college those many years ago? Why do those regrets fester in our hearts so often? All of this, according to the story of the Bible, is because we've been disconnected from relationship to the God who loves us and made us. It's like we're all like an Apple computer with a malfunctioning software at the core of who we are, a virus that has corrupted the system at the most fundamental level. We were made for joy. We were built and designed and handcrafted by the God above for joy. Yet we so often experience our lives as a fundamental malfunction, not tasting and experiencing the joy we were made for, rather tasting and experiencing the curse of our sin and suffering. And so what God does in the story of the Bible then is to promise over and over again that there's someone coming. He's going to give a gift, so to speak. And the gift is going to be a person who would come to bring humans back into a joyful relationship with God and fundamentally fix the curse of human sin and suffering. And so on this Christmas night, here we are in Luke chapter 2, God finally gives the world his best gift, this gift that he was promising, his beloved dear son Jesus. Some of you, most of you probably all know the Joy to the World, that great Christmas song. One of the lines we most of the time don't sing is one of the last verses where it says, He comes, talking about Jesus, He comes to make His blessings flow as far as the curse is found. But slow down and notice something, right? Who does God give this gift to? In Luke 2. It's not the Caesar or someone in political power. It's not the religious leaders of the day or those who had been following all of God's rules at the best they could. It's not to the socially successful. It's not to the faithful, joyful, and triumphant. No. God gives his best gift of his son 
to shepherds, to raggedy, smelly shepherds. The angel said to the shepherds, Luke 2, verse 10, Fear not, for unto you, unto you, shepherds, is born Christ the Savior. Fear not. There, there's nothing to fear anymore because the curse is over. For unto you, shepherds, is born the one who would rescue the world from sin and suffering and sadness. And this is astonishing because think about what we just learned about shepherds. Thank you, Tom. We learned from that wonderful little story that people laughed at shepherds. People said shepherds were smelly and they called them rude names, some names that you couldn't say out loud in front of kids, right? You see, people viewed shepherds as despised, unwanted outcasts. Shepherds, in other words, were the very worst, very worst sort of person. If karma was a belief system back in the day, shepherds always got the bad stuff. If shepherds were, def they were definitely not on Santa's nice list, okay? You didn't invite shepherds to your Christmas party. You certainly never sent shepherds your Christmas card with your family like that. You never sent those to shepherds, okay? You certainly never spent any of your precious money to give a gift to a shepherd. And so what was happening in Luke 2 is this. It gives us a picture of the God that defies our normal expectations for how to give gifts. We might say it like this. God takes Santa's naughty and nice list and all of the karma-influenced ideas of fairness in gift-giving and rips that whole list up and throws it away. Because here what God does on the first Christmas day is that God gives his best gift of his beloved son Jesus to the worst type of people. Now, don't miss this. Here's the point tonight. Please listen to this. If God gives his best gift of his son to the worst people in the first century, then the logic is this. That same lit God, living and active today, gives his best for our very worst. Let me put it this way. When my son, precious, amazing Haddon, was born... We loved announcing it to people. We said, Haddon was born. It's amazing. He, he's, he's finally come, right? But you know what I never did? I never called up my uncle. I never called up my friend. People I even trusted. The people I trusted most in my life. And I never said, hey, Haddon is born for you. You see, I would never even give the best, my best gift to the most respected and trusted person. And so then what does it mean that when his beloved only son is born into the world, that when the holy God above wants to thrill this sad, cursed world with joy, he starts with unwanted, despised, miserable shepherds in the backwoods of an unknown town in the Middle East. It means this. It means that the God revealed in Jesus Christ is the God we never expected, but the God we so desperately need. Do you know this God tonight? He is the God who looks at the very worst part of you, the part of your life that you hate most. The part of your life that you feel most defeated in, that pocket of darkness that won't go away and is crushing you the most. The place where you are most unfaithful to him, that thing that continues to destroy your joy and happiness. God comes to you in that curse and he declares to you saying, Fear not, but good news of great joy, for unto you is born Christ the Savior. Unto you. 
who have been unfaithful to your spouse, unto you suffering with your chronic illness, unto you bitter by life's disappointments, unto you suffocating in your shame, unto you with your secret sin and addiction, with your exhausting busyness, you walking into the new year with terrible regret. Fear not, God's best gift is given to the worst types of people. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. For unto you is born Jesus Christ, the Savior. And I want you to recognize something. When you or I, when we give our gifts tomorrow morning, most likely, some families I hear do it Christmas Eve. Okay, I respect that. But most people do it Christmas Day, okay? And tomorrow when you give your gifts, you as a human, right? Don't you just feel so thrilled with joy to give that gift and to see that beloved person unwrap that gift? Then what is it, wonder of wonders, Parkview Church, that the God of glory announcing to a despised, forgotten group of people that his son is born, that it says, just like any good human father, our heavenly father, his heart exploding with great joy in giving Christ to you in all of your need, in all of your sin, in all of your suffering. He enjoys, he delights in giving his very best for our very worst. So it's time to put away the fear because the curse is over and Christ has come and our God loves us and he has shown us this love and sending his own son to rescue us. And we know all of this to be true because one day God's best gift, this baby boy born in Bethlehem would become a man and journey towards Jerusalem. And there outside of Jerusalem, Jesus would willingly exchange the comfort of a manger for the curse of a cross. Where on that cross, Jesus, the beloved Son of God, died in your place and my place, absorbing the curse of sin and God's judgment against us and all of the suffering and misery of this world, absorbing that into himself once and for all so that tonight, so that tonight, tonight that you would know the joy of this great gift of God. In Jesus Christ, we truly see that in overflowing joy and the happiness of God's heart, he gives his very best for our very worst. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. That unto you, unto you is born this day the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Christ the Lord, your Son, given to us great joy good news of great joy for all the people. So would you open our hearts again, afresh, to really believe this, Lord, no matter where we feel the worst, that's where you love us the most. Help us, convince us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.